This is Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda. I'm Johnny Hart. This is the Market Insights Market Pulse podcast. Let's join Oanda Senior Market Analyst Kelvin Wong in Singapore. Good morning from London. Well, it is uh, good afternoon to you. How are you? Great morning to you, Johnny. Let's first reflect on the markets where you are. And we're almost at the close in Asia. What's been happening? Uh, yeah, so in Asia over here, we kind of see a pretty much a uh, mixed picture. As usual, the outperforming uh, index will be the Nikkei 225, still pretty much strong on its short-term uptrend, up close to 0.5%. And on the positive note, the earlier losses on the China proxy index, which is the Hansing index and Hansing tech index, managed to reverse their earlier losses to close almost unchanged at this level. And we have some of the more of the minor uh, Asia benchmark indices like the Singapore STI is actually up close to 0.3% as of now. So a rather positive to actually mixed picture at this moment in time for Asia. It's going to be a very interesting and busy week. We were talking off air just now. We counted five central bank meetings to come over the next uh, few days and plenty of data as well. Before we talk about the week to come, I just wanted your thoughts on the latest oil price because oil continues to slide. If you remember this time last week, we were talking about oil in relation to the Saudi announcement about cutting production. Well, That announcement has had absolutely no effect whatsoever, really, over the last few days, apart from an initial rise in the oil price. It's now down to figures very near an 18-month low. Brent crude around $72 a barrel. That announced from, from OPEC Plus and from the Saudi Arabians has had the reverse effect. Yes, precisely. So what we could see over here, very interestingly, right, that initial uh, kind of a spike up has been faded right after the last OPEC uh, kind of cut. And the fade, uh, the faded uh, effect uh, came from pretty much of a very close technical level, which is the 200-day moving average. And bear in mind over here is that we still have a kind of very lackluster external growth uh, environment, which could actually pull off further speculative bullish biasness on the oil price future. So that could actually explain this uh, what we see at the start of this week, uh, this current, uh, we call it very weak uh, footing for oil price, both on the WTI as well as the brand crude. And so bearing in mind over here is that we do have uh, key data up from China as well this week that could actually kind of a, put the brakes on this uh, initial bullish bias on oil price futures, which is up on Thursday, which is the China industrial production, the retail sales and the housing price uh, index for the month of May. What is interesting, it's almost as if they're pricing in now disappointing figures from the Chinese. Yes. And it may be that actually when we get to the figures themselves, they won't be quite as bad as everybody's predicted and markets, oil markets particularly, will recover. Yes, precisely. So if you look at the situation for the oil price right now in terms of a technical analysis perspective, uh, that seems to be a pretty much a key support for the WTI crude at around the $71 per barrel. So uh, that is actually very close to the previous uh, weekend, uh, not the latest one, the previous weekend uh, supply shock uh, cut out from Saudi. So that kind of a created a potential uh, support, a potential flow at that level. And bear in mind over here is that uh, also we have another factor out from China as well. Is the time we earlier uh, at the start of this podcast, we're talking about a uh, key central bank week for this week, which is indeed true. Uh, on Thursday itself, which is uh, uh, it's not really kind of a 
confirmed it's a kind of a not really a confirmed date but it's a kind of penciled in monthly affair where the china central bank the pboc will actually do its monthly announcement or make a monthly announcement on this one of these key interest rate tools that it used to actually manage its liquidity which is the one-year medium-term lending rate which is similar to like a discount window as versus the Fed where it actually allows the major Chinese bank to actually lend from PBOC itself. So this rate has been unchanged since August last year at 2.75%. So what happened last Thursday, it cut the fixed deposit rate of the major Chinese bank to actually ease out liquidity. Hopefully it allows the central bank to actually have a proof the net interest margin so they could actually lend out more. So that gives rise to a bit of expectation or an increase in expectation that PBOC right now got to do something to address uh, this ongoing uh, weakness in the Chinese economy, uh, both internal and external. Apart from the uh, China Central Bank, People's Bank of China, we've also got the Bank of Japan, the ECB, the US Fed. What do you think markets are going to be most interested in? Is it going to be the Fed? Yes, definitely the Fed, because if we look at the uh, interest rate futures based on the CME Fed Watch 2, that means it's the 30-day uh, Fed Funds futures, in the last two, three weeks, right, we start to see a very volatile swing in pendulum from chance of a high to a chance of a pause. So right now, the, the, the bias is switched to close to around 70% of a pause in this coming Wednesday FOMC, okay, based on the latest uh, Fed speak, all right? That was about a week ago. And what's interesting over here is that the market will be paying very close attention to this Wednesday FOMC meeting because the Fed also will release its latest dot plot, which is the IE, the economic projection on inflation, on uh, economic uh, growth, GDP growth, and as well as the trajectory of the Fed funds rate going forward this year as well as next year. So if you look at the Fed fund futures right now, uh, we are still looking in at a chance of at least a 50 basis point cut before 2024 ends. So if you look at the previous dot plot uh, that was released in the prior meeting, the Fed officials has a bias of a no rate cut in this year. So their rate cut was actually penciled in somewhere around middle of 2024. So market will be looking at, hey, based on the current data that we are seeing right now, Yes, indeed, there is some uh, growth uh, decline uh, based on ISM manufacturing and ISM services number. Uh, inflation, depending on which inflation data you look at, uh, if you look at the ISM uh, prices paid on the manufacturing, it came down in the month of May from April. So market will be very interesting to see what will be the latest trajectory of the Fed funds will be in this release of this stock plot. So uh, will it be the same as, let's say, for example, no hype for this year? Or will the Fed start to be more dovish? I think that's uh market is trying to uh, look out for. And also, what about after the July meeting? Because right now, the Fed Fund Futures is looking at least a height in the July meeting. And I believe that during the press conference, uh, some reporters might get a bit adventurous to actually compare the Fed versus the Bank of Canada, which actually uh, it did pause too in previous two meetings, but suddenly due to inflationary uh, rise in expectation, inflationary expectation, they decide to actually uh, hide again in last week. So uh, markets will be paying very close attention to potentially how Powell uh, will reflect on uh, other central banks' uh, latest action, like for example, the recent renewed hawkish tone on the Bank of Canada.
We might get some clues tomorrow, of course, Kelvin, with the latest CPI figures from the United States. They might be crucial. Yes, definitely. So especially markets are watching on the core inflation figure, which is excluding oil, uh, excluding energy and food, which is still at a relatively high level. Yeah. What about the Bank of Japan? What are you expecting from them? Yes, so this Bank of Japan is a very interesting one, especially if you look at the latest guardians from uh, the, the, the new uh, BOJ governor, Yuda. Uh, uh, so he has been rather giving rather mixed messages uh, on the guardians from Bank of Japan because at some point in time, he did mention that he's pretty much encouraged by the current elevated inflationary levels in Japan, be it the Tokyo CPI or the nationwide CPI. Uh, but on the other hand, he also did mention over here is that there's a risk of uh, CPI, the, the, the inflation, uh, even though inflation is high right now, it may not be sustainable and they might fall back to maybe around two, uh, slightly uh, above 2% during the second half of the year. So uh, that actually supports what I call ultra easing monetary policy stand in Japan. So I would say that uh, if you look at the current mixed messages that he gave right now, it seems to me that uh, for this upcoming Friday BOJ meeting, it will be pretty much stamped unchanged. But do keep a close watch on his press conference to see whether he does give out any hint that he's been willing more to actually take a first step to normalize uh, the, the Japanese uh, current ultra easing policy by any mentioning of a, a widening ban of that uh, year curve control program on that 10-year JGB yield, because right now it's uh, being allowed to fluctuate at uh, plus and minus 0.5%. So something to keep a close watch on that. And bear in mind over here is that uh, for this meeting, they do not release any uh, economic data projection. Uh, so the next one in July will be the next quarterly projection. Yeah, so something to 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 actually pay a close attention during the press conference uh, to see whether does he lay any groundwork for a potential normalization in their ultra easing policy for the next meeting in July at all August. Yeah, Kelvin Wong, Oanda senior market analyst in Singapore. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda.